Ladies and gentlemen, the Conservative Daily Podcast is back. And now your hosts, Max McGuire and Joe Altman. Welcome back to the second hour of the Conservative Daily Podcast. No one on YouTube can hear us now. We are The feed is dead on YouTube. We're going to let it keep going so people can think that we're live and they'll, they'll see it and they'll go to the other platforms. So we're not going to end the stream. It'll just be stuck at that intermission graphic. And the reason that we can't go live on YouTube right now is YouTube will not let us say anything that questions the 100% perfect legitimacy of every single vote in the 2020 election. We're not allowed to even hypothesize that anything was amiss. So when we want to have conversations about that, we're going to ditch YouTube. When we want to have conversations that will violate Facebook's terms of service, we'll ditch Facebook for that hour. It's but easy they're going to they're, they're going to start going to other places, right? And saying, "Oh, because of what you talked about over here, we're going to ban you over here," right? So that that means that's why you should go to the website, hit subscribe, make sure you put in your email address, make sure you put in your phone number, so we can send you a text message, we can send you an email. Also, for push notifications, you can actually, and we can actually send you a notification directly on your computer to say, hey, look, the show's starting up. We can also give you, um, you know, critical updates or uh, breaking news stories as well. Yeah. So, without further ado, the reason that we now have, are off of YouTube is because our guest for this part of the show is a Mrs. Monica Palmer. We welcome Monica Palmer to the show now. Welcome, Monica. Thanks for having me, guys. So um, just to, we're, we're going to dive through it and I want to apologize because when this was all going down, we were not happy. It was, it was a roller coaster of emotions that, that it wasn't being certified. Then it was being certified. Then, oh no, well, we were under duress and then they wouldn't accept it. And then the FBI actually arrested someone who was threatening you. But then the governor says, oh no, take backs. <laughs> it, it is what it is. So I apologize. Um, we were, like many conservatives, very confused, very critical, but we wanted to bring you on so you could explain what happened and, uh, and, and give you that opportunity. So again, welcome to the show, Monica. Thanks, and I really appreciate the opportunity because in the, in the process when it was so crazy and fast moving and national news, a little, little bit of the technicalities were missed. And the first thing that I want to make very clear is the um, Michigan Board of Canvassers manual makes it very clear that canvassers are not allowed to take into consideration any allegations of fraud or illegality. Canvassers are only allowed to compare the number of voters in the poll book and the number of votes that come out of the tabulator and make any mathematical corrections. We are supposed to bring clerks and election workers in to talk to them if there's uh, a difference in those two numbers because they should match or have um, explanations in the full book. And we ran into a lot of trouble with that in the Detroit absentee counting boards. And that is why, well, that is, that is not the reason that I voted no. The reason that I voted no was because I believe that the mathematical corrections that needed to be made were not completed. So the no vote was to allow the state 10 more days to do more investigation on why the numbers didn't balance out and to make any necessary corrections, which they are allowed to do. In fact, in 2013, the Wayne County Board of Canvassers did just that. They certified everything except for the city of Detroit. Um, following that no vote, there were two hours of very, very, Hey, we were watching. Very, 
Very passionate. Zoom Very comments. Passionate. Um, I find it rather interesting the Republican member, Bill Hartman, and myself were both actually watching the laptop and listening to the public comments. My two Democratic counterparts were busy on their telephones texting people and laughing. Um, because yeah. they, they had nothing we to fear. They had, they, had, they had nothing to fear. Didn't feel like they had anything to fear because they knew that the consequences would always land in their favor based on this kind of cabal that happened across the nation in destroying um, the election integrity and stealing the election. Let's just let's call it what it is. It was interesting how the comments continually were negative and negative and negative and negative, and there was no no support at all. Um, the vice chair, Jonathan Kinlock, the Democrat, one of the Democrats on the board of canvassers, pulled me aside later that evening, and offered me a solution to get the canvas done so that we could certify the races um, that were balanced out and the areas that were balanced out. And he promised me that he had approval um, from the state level that they would get us a comprehensive audit. And a comprehensive audit would theoretically make those mathematical corrections that are needed that would get me to where we need to be for a canvas. And based on his promise, we voted yes. So you um, were lied to. Within five minutes of that yes vote, the Secretary of State made a press release and she's like, yeah, you guys don't have the authority to tell me to do that. No, thanks, I'm out. So, another so let me ask you this, why did you have, obviously you have the authority to do a lot of things. Some things you can't do, some things you can. Was there any talk about writing into the resolution that you were voting for uh, language that would make it conditional? Because I, I understand that, that they lied to you, but it also seems like there could have been things you could have at least tried to do. Maybe a court would, would, would knock it down. But again, that buys time, right? Was there any talk about making it actually conditional in the resolution that, that our yes vote is conditional? We actually talked about that in the two, 2020 primary. Under, understand we had the same problem with Detroit absentee counting boards in the primary. So bad that we had a joint resolution asking the State Department of Elections to do an investigation as to what happened because 76% of the precincts were unrecountable, unexplained, unbalanced. We could, they were so messed up, we could not make mathematical corrections. And so we also asked th the Secretary of State to assist in the in the general because we knew the absentee ballots were probably going to be higher, that it was going to be a, a, a full general election, the turnout's going to be higher, and that we could anticipate similar results unless changes were made. Yeah. So me and Joe, uh, we don't live in Michigan. And if you had talked to me last year and said that I was going to be a, a semi-professional expert in Michigan election law by the time this was all over, I wouldn't have believed you. I, I wouldn't have believed you that I would have been spending that time during that watching uh, a bureaucratic meeting in Michigan, pouring through the state code, the rule books, the regs. I wouldn't have believed it, but we did. So we know more about Michigan election laws than, with all due respect, than I ever wanted to know. <laughs> well, and so I, you and mentioned I, and that- And I personally know more about all this election stuff, and I know about the death threats personally. So I've, I've been through uh, having to have PSD uh, on me for since- November 13th, I have had someone 
that has watched my family. My, my wife and I has had to PSD on my, my son, on my daughter um, for the last five months. So I, I know what it's like to have those threats come in. Um, and it's, uh, you know, it's, it's debilitating, not just for you, but for your family. My heart, my heart goes out to you and, and you're right. You're, you're constantly thinking about it. You know, I have a day job on top of all this. This is, yeah. this is almost a volunteer position. Yeah. And th those death threats came after I voted yes. Yeah. And before that, I, before rescinding my vote. Yeah. Yeah. So let me ask you this, because as, as I said, I, I, I don't like that I know this much about Michigan's election laws. I, I, I don't like it. It's great. It makes for good conversation. But I wish I didn't have to know this. You mentioned, and this has been a historical problem, that Detroit, in their absentee, uh, the, in the precincts, that somewhere north of 70% is just unbalanced. I want you to explain to our audience what that means because it's very important what that what that term means. Explain it. Sure, sure. And I'm going to go through a little example. I'm going to oversimplify it too. If you have a poll book that has a list of a hundred voters, a hundred registered voters that that turned in ballots, you should expect to have a hundred totaled on the tape that comes out of the machine at the end of the night. Okay. Mm -hmm. If you have, um, and it is normal to have them be off by two, right. three, five, six. If there's a ballot that comes in and um, it's it, it's unreadable, it's stained, you, you might be one short. Yeah. Um, a better example is in-person voting. If I go in and I vote and I mess up and I go, oh man, I need another one. There will be two ballots issued to me, but only one of those is counted. Every or time if you sign happens, in, sign in, you get you get a phone call. It's an emergency. You run out. You signed in, but there's no ballot for you. Correct. All of those should be noted in the poll book. And as a canvasser, you're supposed to read through the poll book, look at the notes and, and, and reconcile number of ballots issued, number of ballots cast. If you can if you can walk through the notes and figure out one plus three equals six, you should be good to go. What we run into in Detroit is <laughs> there's no notes in some of the poll books. There's 200 more here than there is on this side. It goes up, it goes down. It's all over the place. And at the end of the canvas in 14 days, and we have to do all of Wayne County. It's not just the city of Detroit. There are special rules because we are such a large population. Um, so we process things a little bit differently than the rest of the state does, which adds confusion, right? Um, if we end up after the general election, after 14 days of corrections, and we're still off without an explanation on 70%, that's after the corrections, yeah. guys. 70% yeah. that would not balance. In other words, it could not survive an audit. I, I want you to, I want to be really well, clear. No, you wouldn't even be allowed they, they, to open it for an audit, correct? You can't. No, if they're if they're unbalanced, unexplained, you cannot crack those boxes back open and they are not qualified to be recountable. So this is where the whole logic, it's so circular. It's that the the people, which if we're being completely honest, I, I, I understand that you might not want to talk in terms of partisanship. But for being completely honest, the people who are running these districts, 
more often than not identify as Democrat. It's just a sheer statistics issue. So when you have Democrat poll workers, either intentionally or unintentionally, making mistakes that then produce results from the ticker, from the, the total count that cannot be verified. But then when you actually want to go back and audit it, you can't audit it because of the mistakes that they made. It just seems like it's so circular. It seems like if you wanted to steal an election in Michigan, all you have to do is make those mistakes because as long as you don't fix them yourself, then no one can ever audit it. It's almost like they're allowed to just make mistakes and there's no possibility. You mentioned that you're not allowed to do a whole lot as the canvasser. I understand that. But it's just the whole system just seems like it's designed for this possibility so that the minute that this happens, you mentioned it's in lots and lots of precincts, the minute that it is unbalanced and they don't fix it themselves right then and there, it's just like it's stuck that way. I, Can you explain? I think- am, am, I, am I saying it wrong? No, you're not. I mean, the question comes up was, well, are they making them not match on purpose so they can't recount them? I don't yeah. I don't know what's in people's heart. I don't know what their intent is when they're doing that. Um, in the primary, COVID was a concern. They were short on staff. So it being proactive, I personally went out and found people to sign up to go be workers, to work at TCF Center. They were told, we don't need your services because you have to mark Republican or Democrat on your application, they're supposed to have even numbers. And we found that that several, a lot of Republicans that applied were either not contacted or told we don't need your help. And they don't, um, and they don't need the help because, you know, we, we talk about the system. And Monica, I'm, I have intimate knowledge of what happened in Michigan specifically. Um, I have contact with and talked to uh, Matt DiPerno at length. Uh, we worked on fundraising efforts to, to help him on that side. We've worked on make sure we got information. We, um, I've been in touch with the uh, integrity team that actually did all of the, the forensic audit of the machines. And it's amazing that what you're saying, they said was debunked, that hey, no take backs. You already said that you are, have, have um, voted to certify the election. You were lied to. You, you were, they, lit, they did exactly what the left always does. That's right. They, they lied, right? They committed. No, no, but, 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 but you were told that, hey, they'll, they'll find a way to correct this. They'll do an audit of all the ballots. And then the Secretary of State comes out and says, nope, we're just kidding. We're not going to do that, right? That, that's, the, yep. that's the reason why you actually certify it. Then you get death threats, right? But everything that you're saying aligns with what's happened in Antrim County. It, it aligns with it. None of those things actually uh, um, matched, none. But then they came out and said, oh no, 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 it was when we did a hand count or audit of it, it matched nearly perfectly. Well, what they lied about is that they actually did the first one. So they did one count and it was off so badly. So they did a second one on the recount that was off badly from the first, from the first count and those two matched. But the original one, to the one that they did, that didn't match. That didn't match. But they had enough, uh, I'll say enough clearance and what happened in Wayne County that they just, uh, they said, oh, okay, well, it, you know, Antrim County doesn't matter, so we'll just, we'll leave that alone because they had, knew that they had everything secured when we, we certified the election specifically in Wayne County. It, well, the, the question I have, just to return to this questioning, you mentioned that you, you voted yes because they promised it would, there would be an audit. But you also just said that you know that when it is unbalanced, it cannot be audited. 
So how can you square that circle just for us? Because I, I know that there's an answer. Yep. Uh, uh, like yeah. how can I, I get it that they tricked you, but if, if it can't be audited, how could they ever have even performed an audit? If you're, if you're, if you're going with 103 ballots issued and a hundred counted and there's the explanation, we're good to go. That can be recounted all day long. And within the two week period of the canvas, we are allowed to have the clerks come back in and retabulate if it's really off. So they rerun the machine, the ballots through the machine. And you should be able to get to a correct number if there's any issues. If you if you can't correct it, if you can't reconcile it, then it is uh, it's not doesn't qualify for a recount. Does that clarify? Or an audit. Um, so here's here's now you're talking thing. about cement. Yeah. Where in, the, where in the law does it say? I mean, the county clerk does an, an audit after every election, like a little mini audit just to double check their work. I don't, I don't, where in the legislature is there room for a full scale audit? It's up to well, the that's, secretary that's the of problem. state, if I'm correct, yeah. right? And she can say no yeah. thanks. Yeah, uh, unless there's some kind of investigation, either in civil court or in criminal court, like what we're seeing in Antrim County, um, unless there's some kind of judge issuing an order on a limited basis, there isn't, which is, I, I again, I, I, I understand what you're saying. I just, could you have I'm voted still no? Waiting for the, I'm still waiting for an investigation that I asked for in the primary. I know, but when, when you have that vote, right, and you have that other Republican next to you, and they need your vote for it to pass. In that position, it's not an asking situation. You have you have leverage. Whether or not the statute says you can do something or can't, that, as I said earlier, the courts could work that out. And in that time, maybe more things come out, right? I, I I'm I'm not I don't want to like beat you up over it, but I'm trying to understand how how you can have all of that power. You have the cards are in are in your hand. You had just said no. And basically you had the power to say, this is this is what it takes to get me to yes. Do it and I'll vote yes. Um, I just, I don't understand how we got from there to you voted yes on a pinky swear promise, basically not to belittle it, but, and then they just go back on it minutes later. I don't see how we get there. Prior to this election, I had a good working relationship with the Democrats on the board. It was quite a shock to hear their comments as soon as I voted no, to be honest with you. And my focus was a little blurred after two hours of that commentary. Well, uh I should have been sharper on the ball at that moment to say the board doesn't have the authority to demand this audit. And I'll I'll take the heat for that all day long. Okay, so so let me let me let me let me offer a defense for you, right? See, people that are conservatives, people that are actually Republican, people that have an ethical character, right? That have certain standards they operate from, do not see other people from the lens that they would operate from an evil or ill-intended position. You just don't. Right. And so when you when you go into this, you're always thinking that people are like you, that people have character, that they that they are serving to serve. And although we may have ideological differences in some areas, we don't see those ideological differences as big of a chasm as they've been created. 
over this this moving from hey, a capitalistic uh, republic to this communist society. Yet this is the this is the underbelly. So it's hard it's hard in that in that time, Max, to make a split second decision that hey, it's coming at you really fast. I mean, there's a lot going on at the same time, and you want to believe you want to believe that these people are good people. And what you find out through these experiences, through the rough patches, is what kind of character you're truly dealing with, how evil this whole thing can become very quickly, and how those ideological differences are, are that sleeper cell. And in our country, that sleeper cell manifested itself in the 2020 election. It just did. Well, I, I get that. I'm, and, I'm just and, trying to dive in and figure it out, because we were all asking these questions of how do we get from no to yes to there's going to be an audit, there's not going to be an audit, no take backs. So I, I, don't, I don't want to grill you too hard. I'm just I'm trying to, to to get in your shoes because whether or not you you understood it or not, we were all looking at you like, oh, wow, they just held the line. And to see the line yeah. break so quickly, it was it was beyond demoralizing. I'm not saying it's, it's your fault, but we're we were all trying to figure it out because that happened. That happened right in the middle of our podcast, too. And we were and we had just said they held the line and then it was like, no, it just completely changed. <laughs> so, so I don't want to I, I don't I grill want you too to, hard. I'm just trying to understand it. I, but I, I want to be really clear. Because the nation looked at Wayne County voting no on that is holding the line. And it feels like you were expecting me to hold the line on the fraud. I don't have that authority. If the canvas is complete, I have to vote yes. But if, if it's still in balance, can't you vote no? No. I am so I'm even voting, if it's unbalanced. I'm voting for a certification that these containers can be recounted, these containers cannot. It's either done or the state gets 10 more days. And if the state had 10 more days, at the end of 10 days, they would be required to, to get it, get the corrections made, and they would be required to vote to certify, regardless of fraud. The, there is a U.S. Supreme Court case in, listed in the Michigan Board of Canvassers manual that says you cannot take into account, you cannot vote no based on allegations of illegality or fraud. So how, how long have you been, correct me, I, I don't know, how long have you been on the Board of Canvassers? A little over two years. Okay, so you you would have had the aftermath of the midterms. But we, we, we've, we've looked at this. this. This unbalanced issue has been there forever of, of just, it's just never balanced. I understand if you're there for two years, you don't have the ability just to fix it. Does the Board of Canvassers have any power if if election after election after election, you're getting boxes that would not would not be recountable, let alone survive a recount, would not be audible, let alone survive an audit. Do you have any power over that? Or is that a state legislature thing? It, it, the Board of Canvassers has no authority over the clerks. We have no authority over the Secretary of State. I've been testifying in front of the House and Senate Oversight Committees, and I have been begging for help in, in any form. And the um, Senator Ed McBroom was on an interview in the last couple of days talking about what's coming out of their committee. They are looking at getting our Board of Canvassers hopefully 
up to eight members and allowing the board of canvassers to be in, more involved with the canvas. And I think there's one huge piece of this that it's a, been a long story. And one of the key points is those poll books that are that are turned into the canvas from the clerk's office right after the election, mm -hmm. the number that you're trying to reconcile to, the city of Detroit brought in a black tote filled with revised voter lists the day before the certification vote. So you don't have any time to even look through them, really. And that's why I'm, that was the key piece of why I voted no. We weren't done with the canvas. You're telling me two people stayed up all night going through these books. And when we get to the meeting, they don't have a printed out report for me per precinct of what things were and what things changed with these revisions. So let me yeah. let me ask you, a, let me ask you a question. All right. So you're an American. You serve almost for free in the position to certify this election. It's more of a volunteer position. Yes. Right. And yep. and watching the process play out over the last two years, right, that you've been there and this and especially the, the eye opening. I assume you had some irregularities in in previous um, primaries and things like that. Right. But watching this unfold. Do you feel like the system failed the American people? Um, that's a that's a good question. Um, what I learned during this cycle is that there are a lot of laws that have gaps in them. For instance, if you are looking at number of election inspectors at a precinct, it's re precinct, it's required to have one Republican and one Democrat and to keep them as balanced as possible. There was a lawsuit because of the TCF Center having a disproportionate number of Democrats, which, which matches the population of the area, but that's not the intent of the law, right? Um, yeah. Judge Kinney came in with a ruling that it says in an absentee counting board, you need one R and one D per place. And he considered the convention floor a place. As opposed to each table. As an American to me, yeah. that's that's disheartening. Um, do we do we have an avenue to solve those problems? That's where my focus is right now. How do I get impact into legislation to make sure that we fix these issues? Because if you have balanced view from the point of the process starting, it makes watching the process and understand and, and and accepting the results a heck of a lot easier. So so let me ask you another question that because that one was kind of a sharp question. It's a little less sharp. Um, is there an integrity issue with the election process where you and just talk about Wayne County? Is there an, is there an integrity issue? Is there a, is there a, is there a breakdown that does that could subvert the voice of the American people in the election? I, I, I do believe there's an integrity issue. If if there if there wasn't, Republicans would be allowed to be hired to be poll workers at TCF Center. And that didn't happen. Yeah. I do believe they put up paper Maybe on the windows. Maybe 12 and... out of 600 at a time. <laughs> pizza like, boxes. Yeah, I mean... yeah, pizza boxes. They put up pizza boxes to stop people from getting in. Yeah. I, I, I was think... actually, I was, I was in there when that happened. I was there for 26 hours straight. How scary I got a, was I that? I got a good story for you. Um, 
while I was there, I'm, I'm looking at the, the ballot containers and the board of canvassers are certified with checking those boxes on a regular basis to make sure they're secure. Um, the city of Detroit uh, last year ordered 50 new boxes. Over 30 of them were not secure. They were not welded along the, the seams on the back of the metal box. Mm -hmm. We have big red labels on them, do not use. They went back to the city of Detroit in that public meeting. I requested, I'm like, can we get a corrective action request? 30 bad boxes out of 50 is really bad. And can somebody send notice to the rest of the clerks in the state to make sure nobody else is using these boxes if there's a manufacturer issue? Yeah. Well, well that's, that's another thing. I, I never got a car, what? but while I was at TCF Center, I found one of those boxes. I actually found six of those boxes being used. None of those yeah. can be recounted as well. And it's a misdemeanor. Yeah. Whoever used those, yes. it's a misdemeanor. Like, yeah, so that's another thing that we, I, I never wanted to do this, to learn about what a, tra a ballot transfer container in Michigan has to look like. And so you were there for a long time. I, I assume that you weren't there at the infamous 3 a.m., 4 a.m. backdoor delivery. Yep. Were you there during that? I sure was. Now, uh, I remember seeing it come in at 3, actually, 9 p.m. I got there, election night. They were mm -hmm. unloading a van. They were done counting ballots by 11 p.m. So from 11 to like 1.30, I'm watching people sitting around, we're 600 people plus on the floor, we're paying them $600 a day, and they're doing naps, reading books, playing on their phones because there's no ballots to count. I'm looking for someone in charge to find out, can we call the clerk's office? Like, did we just break a world record? Is, is Detroit done early? Or are there more yeah. ballots coming? And around 2.30, um, someone got a hold of Chris Thomas and found out there was one more delivery coming at 3.30 a.m. A van showed up at 3.30 a.m. I remember asking a couple of the challengers, did anybody note the, the VIN number or the, the license plate or get a picture of it? The video that came out that showed the van leaving and coming back, I wasn't paying attention all i remember is that van being in the back of the building forever i'm like why yeah. is it taking that long to unload this because the one at 9 p.m they were unloaded and done counting ballots by 11:30. like yeah so were, were there two vans i have no idea because i wasn't watching that as much as i was going it's 3 30 in the morning our poll challengers are going to leave at 5 a.m we don't have anybody here to watch the Wednesday shift. And if there's going to be shenanigans, is it going to be at the 3.30 a.m. dump? We need people here to watch this on Wednesday. Yeah. So what we saw in that then, video, um, put up my screen, Mr. Producer, they weren't using the containers that they should have been using. All those ballots were in containers that look like this, which yep. how, okay, how so does that happen? Sure. I thought the same thing. I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. They're like cardboard boxes from the Postal Service. There's no law on the chain of custody between the two places. The chain of custody laws don't start until they start scant They pull them out of the envelope and run them through the process at TCF Center. You think that's bad? How are the ballots from the 50 drop boxes in Detroit getting pulled out of those drop boxes? Who's doing it? Who's counting them? Yeah. Are they going to the clerk's office to get checked and verified be before they come to the center? Because 
they're just processing them at the center. There's no rules. It's 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 a third world election. It's a third world country election. Yep. Well, no, even in the third world, you dip your thumb in the iodine and it proves that you can't yeah. vote again. Let me tell you something. I, I was involved <laughs> in election protocol in different countries in the Middle East and in Africa. And yeah, you dip your finger in ink. Right. That is absolutely true. That, that is something that did happen. But I'm also going to tell you that the election results, as they are tabulated, as they're brought down through the system, lean towards wherever they wanted to lean. It doesn't matter if it's all the illusion. And that's why I talk about the fact that if you stack all of Dominion voting systems and ESNS, and I'll just take Dominion because that's the one I did. If you stack them all on top of each other, it's easy to figure out how the cons happen. Small cons, little con, or small cons, big con. The big con is they didn't, th th you couldn't actually balance it because you had 700% in one precinct of people that were eligible to vote, vote. 700% of the people that could vote showed up to vote. Is that correct in Wayne County? Was well, that's okay. So let's, let's be honest about the facts that we have. Okay. Donald Trump got more votes in 2020 that he got in 2016. Okay. He got a higher percentage of Wayne County that he got in 2016. Right. That being said, the people who say more people voted than there are voters I struggle with a little bit because the turnout was like not even 60%. Interesting. Here's, here's the trouble with Wayne County in the Detroit absentee counting boards, a counting board may contain anywhere from three to five precincts. Okay. When they total, when they run the ballots through the machine, they're totaling the counting board total. There is never a per precinct total. So when you're looking at the results on the state's website and it says precinct 352 and you see a day of number of registered voters and a day of ballots counted, you will see zero registered voters at the precinct level because it's done at the absentee counting board level. That's one piece that I need to take back to the legislature to find out because I believe per Michigan state election law, the results have to be reported per precinct. But in Wayne County, the city of Detroit absentee counting boards, they are not. Um, it's on my list of questions to follow up on. I don't know if that's one of the passes they get for being a larger population or not. Okay. But. It's, so you can't tell per precinct, was there 400% turnout in this one and 4% in this one because they're consolidated. Okay. They're All consolidated right. at a higher level. Um, yes. So you keep telling us stuff, which I, I completely believe, but it's, it's so infuriating because obviously you mentioned that we are hoping that you're going to hold the line. We didn't know everything about Michigan statute, the different rules. Um, yeah, you, you I, I, could they have sued you in your personal capacity if you had voted no anyway? Um, well, <laughs> there are, in my personal capacity, there's a um, current ethics complaint against me. I created a 501c4 educational purposes um, to mm -hmm. educate my local 
school district on things that were happening with the school, and um, the Democrats have filed a complaint against me saying it's conflict of interest. Um, by definition of a 501c4 cannot advocate for or against a candidate or ballot issue. I'm not yeah. sure how that conflicts with with certifying totals yeah. or conducting recounts. Um, I managed to escape the conflict of interest charge, but they have found me guilty of conflicting employment. Um, and pending the next hearing, I'll find out whether or not I will be reduced to step down from one of the two employments that are conflicting. Um, mm -hmm. But FYI, I serve as a board member, volunteer on the 501c4, and I'm employed yeah. as a canvasser. Yeah. So I'll give you a clue which employment they're going to make me drop. Yeah. Um, I will do everything possible to stay on this board of canvassers because I want to see it perform the way it was designed to. Okay, so that brings me to a conflict of interest, which, by the way, did not get filed against this mayor. And I don't remember what it is. I'm trying to look it up while I'm actually talking to you right now. But a mayor inside of Michigan, in Michigan, actually worked for Dominion, brought Dominion in, worked for Dominion, and worked as a mayor uh, uh, pro tem, I think, inside of in Michigan, in a, in a town in Michigan while she's bringing in Dominion and working for Dominion. This happened. This absolutely happened in Michigan. And I'm trying to find it. And the guys over at uh, uh, Project Veritas broke it, sent me a bunch of information on it. I couldn't believe it. Went through all the paperwork. And the, and the answer is, uh, but there's not, nothing to see here. Someone that works for Dominion, goes, takes a job as the mayor pro temp, then brings Dominion in, right? As but there's no conflict of interest. There's no conflict of interest working for Dominion and being the mayor that actually um, brings Dominion to the table. I mean, think about that. That's what we're dealing with. We are dealing with an evil part of our society. They're just evil. <laughs> do as I say, not as I do, right? That's, it feels like the world I live in right now. Well, I got to tell you, we've got to get to the point. I will, I will say this. We have, we have 100% have to get to the point where it matters, where truth matters, where we're willing to say that all the chaos that they put in front of us, I don't care about the chaos. Let's get back to the reality. The reality of it is, is that the system is compromised. People are compromised. People are complicit in the behavior. And no matter what you do by saying, hey, nothing to see here. These are factual data. This is factual information. Factual information. It's not hyperbole. It's not made up. It's not. And I'm glad you actually took the time to clarify the 700% because that's, that's actually something that was told to me. I read it several places. So now that I understand that, I can say, all right, that's not something I would ever repeat. But it's not like you are looking at this from the perspective of, oh, I just, I just want to agree with everything that they're saying is wrong. You're like, well, no, no, no. The integrity of what I do says this is what happened. This is what I know to happen, right? And yet you could sign an affidavit that could put you five years in, in prison if you, if you were actually lying. And they would tell you, ah, no, nothing to see here. She's lying. We're right. You know, again, allowing more of this kind of circus to, to uh, exist. The affidavits are a for me because no, there were people who were there who didn't have adequate training and they saw things that they thought were wrong that there are logical explanations for. And, and if you don't have somebody searching through those affidavits to clear out what is, is that, what is problems that were reported 
rooted, it, it much better and it, it, it makes it tough yeah. to present a case when you've got partial good bed. Can you guys give me two plugins I'm about to Okay. Oh, that's fine. Yeah, you're, you're, getting, you're getting a little bit uh, choppy. It's Yeah, it's because it's because her device is dying. We'll give her a second. Um, well, I, I'm a firm believer of a, of a principle called Hanlon's Razor. And Hanlon's Razor says you never attribute to malice what can be easily explained by stupidity. Right. So, yeah, I, I understand that there are people out there who are bad actors, but there are also very, very dumb people out there. And that never assumes someone's bad. It's much easier and much more likely that they're just stupid and made a mistake. With Wayne County, though, when you see historically that they are making the same mistakes year after year, election after election, with the out of balance, with the numbers not matching up, it becomes harder and harder just to say that every single year they only have stupid people running the, the elections and only in this one county because no other county in Michigan is seeing these kinds of numbers. It is definitely it is, is a wild card in that respect. So I, I understand that. But when, when you see this and then you tell me that the board of canvassers isn't actually allowed to say no, it, as, if they refuse to check their own work, you have to just accept it as is. And then even if you wanted an audit, they wouldn't be allowed to do a recount because it's not balanced. It just seems like the whole system is designed for this precise scenario. You talk about there, there's no chain of custody. Yeah, that's something we talked about on the show. When they're bringing ballots in this unmarked van in these uh, completely open-top USPS containers, we have no idea if he stopped off at home and added more ballots to the box. We have no idea. And, and that's the whole thing. I would, it's To me, it's obvious that there were many things at play in the election, many things, both in trying to increase turnout in ways that they shouldn't, digital things, many, many things. The American people Dominion. deserve to have confidence. The American people deserve to have confidence that the elections are legitimate. And my biggest thing is that when we shout and say, wait a minute, look at this truck. It's just coming in with these open boxes. Who's that dude? Why are they sitting back there? Why is he coming back a second time? The media just shouts and says, oh, that's completely, it's completely how it's supposed to run. We talk to you and you're like, yeah, I have no idea what was happening. We were all very confused. It just seems like well, there are interests that are saying, pay no attention to what you see in front of you. It, 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 this is how it's supposed to go. And every fiber of our being says something doesn't smell right. So I, yeah. I, I don't know if, if, would, if there's any progress on the ground in Michigan, but if, if these are all the loopholes, they have to get filled because the American people, not just Michiganders, but the rest of the country deserve to have confidence that every state is providing legitimate results. And it's kind of a slap in the face to the clerks who bust their tail to make the numbers balance they do the due diligence to do it right and we're just like when is it okay to just go oh wayne county we we they're we're just gonna let them do what they do like we're i don't know there, if there I has say something, to be, it'll there, be taken wrong yeah so there, <laughs> you, you you have to have a checks and balance right there has to be a way for the american people to feel the integrity of the process is being honored. And I think that's one of my biggest issues is that as you look through this process, it's not sensible, right? It, it doesn't follow any sort of idea of logic. 
And if you cannot double check the system, if you do not have the ability to put stop gaps in place and they're exploiting those stop gaps, now I, I'm much more, I see it much more cynically than, than Max does. I've, I've had too much opportunity to look at what corruption and what, what the Democrats just, uh, what they do. And Monica, you're not going to like what I say about, I don't know if you've ever heard what I say about the Democrat Party as a whole. I'll leave it out, but I used hashtag the left or liars. Um, but, and I mean that because the, if we don't create a system that gets people to understand that they have a voice, then they will lose hope. And what happens when you lose hope is that with this thing we call the civil war happening, that they're actually using race to divide us, it's going to become a real thing. This cold war that we're having in our country is going to turn hot really quickly. And you can't, even if they were to cut off ammo supplies, there's enough ammo in the United States. And now you're talking about a bloody battle. Now you're talking about people actually going after each other because they don't believe that where we are offers any sort of hope for future generations, right? Regardless of what side you're on. Hey, hey. I don't I refuse to believe that that all Democrats are liars. I there are Democrats that I have worked with in the past who had the intent to do good for their neighborhoods. Right? I said that was my opinion. Yes, there are so. there are Democrats <laughs> who are liars. There are Republicans who are liars. Yes, That's, there are. I, I, we call them, we to... call them left Republicans. <laughs> but <laughs> I I go back to you guys. I was begging for help in August. Yeah, I let our Republican yeah. Party know in August we needed help. Yeah, well, I, I would let say... the State Department of Elections know we needed help. I let the State Board of Canvassers know we needed help. And we got a consultant and another consultant. Yeah. They work for Dominion. And... I'm just checking to see. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> so, Joe, you you mentioned uh, you I, mentioned I race. There... You mentioned race, Monica. One of the things that came up. I want, to, I want to make sure I give you a chance to answer this. One of the things, we were watching live as people were yelling at you, shouting at you. They were they were throwing out the same kind of tropes that we're seeing now, which is that if, if you want to change the election law in Georgia to make it illegal for organizations to bribe voters with water, that that's somehow racist because in their mind, African-Americans can't bring their own water bottle. There's some kind of barrier, racial barrier that stops African-Americans from hydrating themselves absent some kind of 501c4, c3 organization doing it for them. What you, what you were undergoing during that was some of the worst stuff I've ever seen, that you were trying to destroy black and brown communities, that you were trying to re-implement Jim Crow, that you were a Klan member. They were, they were basically taking everything that they, they think, hey, this works. Uh, we just call them a racist and then they go away. Obviously, you, you don't come off as a racist. Um, what was that like just to be this volunteer in this volunteer position doing what you think is right? And there's this this coordinated because that was coordinated. There were people on Twitter, the influencers sending people out at you who have no idea who you are to call you a racist in a public forum. So what was it like just to be under that full assault underneath the Democrat establishment? of just being called a racist for no reason. It was heartbreaking. You know, it was even worse than that was when what? I talked to my mother on the phone afterwards and she broke down in tears and said, I didn't raise my daughter to be a racist. All right, explain that. She, she actually was buying it. My mother raised me to treat people based on their character. And if you see somebody being disrespected, it doesn't matter what color or 
handicap that they have, you stick up for them. I was protecting the black vote in Detroit, along with the white vote and the Asian vote and the brown vote and all of the votes. Purple, purple vote too. The bigger frustration that I have with this, you're right, it was coordinated because racist stain on our history. Can I tell you how many emails came with that exact verbiage? Maybe stain is a new word for me to hear, but just the 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 similarity in the language in the attacks that came yeah. was very, very, very apparent. Um, yeah, I. So my it, dad, my dad is black. My mom is white. My whole family's interracial, right? So this whole using uh, racist ra racist as a dog whistle is offensive to everyone in my family. It's offensive because of the things that we truly lived through. I mean, I lived through the 80s in Washington, D.C. area. And if you want to know about race, the, the race conflict, it was alive and well in the early 80s. Whites hated us because my dad was black. Blacks hated me because my mom was white. It was terrible. You were called reverse Oreo. Others were called uh, half, half breed. I, I've heard it all. I've seen, I've seen people in my family be, uh, I've, seen, I've seen true racism. I still believe that 99.5% of the people out there don't care about race. They don't care. Even to this day, even, even facing what I faced, it still wasn't, I didn't live it 24 hours a day. I had experiences that led me to, oh, that person probably is not someone I want to hang out with, right? There were bad experiences. I'll take it. I'll say that they were, but I will not say that people are inherently racist. But by using that, they weaken and they create Absolutely. opportunity for people to, to fall into victimology. Now, the reason why they're not successful is because everyone's a racist. Not because you didn't work hard, you didn't overcome obstacles that had nothing to do with race, but because, oh, they must be oppressing him. And, and that, that to me is, that, that, that just basically takes away the light. Because, I mean, I, I faced it in the Republican Party. I have someone that I supported. I dramatically, I mean, I absolutely supported her. She is a black, wonderful woman. She's running as a chair for one of the counties here. And it felt like racism to me. So I said it to him. I was like, it, it doesn't surprise me that the establishment Republicans are attacking Vicky because she's black. And, and of course, I got called, oh, that's just what the left does. See what happens? You actually can't point it out now. Because now it only works when you're actually creating something, an indictment of character on someone that, that, they, that you can't see, the boogeyman. Because if you can't see yeah. it and it's everywhere, you can't solve it, right? That's, that's how you sustain this race card, right? And I find it just incredibly offensive, incredibly offensive. I, I got both sides of it this time around. I was running for um, a position within our state GOP party as 14th district chair. And I was running against the former chair because she decided to run again. Um, she changed her mind. And she literally called people in the district and told them not to vote for me because I wasn't of color and she was. Wow. Because that, that should be the deciding, that, that by itself is yeah. racist. See, we, we, uh, we are allowing, we're allowing the same thing that happened. By the way, they, they perfected this overseas, right? They perfected it in, in Europe. I mean, you see what's happening in the UK. We were talking to Katie Hopkins before, and she talks about the fact that, you know, when truth becomes hate speech, then everyone out there is, is guilty. Then, then you're actually putting people in jail and persecuting people based on ideological, an ideology or, or an, a system of indoctrination, not because of truth. Truth, truth becomes ambiguous at that point. 
So crazy. What struck me so what struck me was that everything you're saying about the ballots about the not out of balance was factually accurate, and it's completely legitimate to say get your act together precincts, make it in balance. Stop giving us numbers that you know would not even be able to to be recounted. Um, what what struck me is we see this often with Democrats playing the race card when they say, oh, well, voter ID is racist. Well, why is it racist? Oh, well, because black people don't know how to get a voter ID. Well, I mean, that in itself is very, very racist to suggest that for some reason, the color of your skin determines whether or not you can accidentally wander into a DMV, a motor vehicles office, right? The argument they were making was that somehow you should just turn a blind eye to the obvious problems with the numbers and let them count them, let them count anyway, because they were black votes. And that was black mistakes in the arithmetic, right? And, and these were black signatures. And that to even consider challenging the legitimacy of it would be silencing black votes, almost insinuating that, hey, we, we just know if you're African-American running a polling place, it's just going to be off a little bit. How dare you even question it? Like that to me was so racist, this idea that it, that you just have to accept the reverse of it, that, oh, well, it, almost like some kind of affirmative action for counting ballots that, oh, we're just going to assume that when black people count the ballots, they're just a little bit off. Just just accept that. Like that, that struck me. And I know that no one was saying it at the time, but I'm like, you see it all the time when they play the race card, that they, they put down the race that they're also trying to lift up. It just, it makes no sense. It, they're insulting them. It's basically yeah. saying you're not smart enough to do it right, so we're just going to let you go on. That's an insult. Yeah, there's there's so much there's so much that you, emotion that you feel when you're being attacked, and they're using attacks that you that you find defenseless. Like you you don't find yourself in a place where you can say no, I'm not, right? Because it's like, oh, yes, you are. Look, you, look what you did. You can't point to uh, what you've done in your character to support everyone in the community, regardless of color or the fact that you've uh, th that you've lived your life a certain way, because now in a very short period of time, they're put your they put your character, they put your reputation um, on the rocks by just making a simple indictment. And I think that's the evil of this entire process is that while you're asking for help, even the people that were supposed to be supporting you didn't give you help. Right. And then on the other side, you're damned if you do and damned if you don't. You're recognizing and you have a duty to have an ethical uh, stand that that lands in the place of integrity to protect the American voice in your environment, doing your part, and yet they attack you for doing good, right? I think that's the biggest issue I have with all of this is that wh while you're doing good, they are talking about being good while actually doing bad and doing harm to our society. Yeah. And I think one way we can combat that, what I'm trying to do is focus on the process. This isn't black or white, you guys. Right. We need to focus on what is the process for counting these votes? If there, there were three counting boards that had a tape total of zero and people signed off that it was valid at the end of the night when they sealed the box, three counting boards, 1,400, 1,600, and 1,800 ballots in the box, and they signed a piece of paper saying the vote total is zero. Can yeah. we make sure those people don't work the next election, please? Because yes. I don't know whether I it was a mistake. They weren't trained well or they did it on purpose. But what's the process for identifying where these mistakes are happening and improve them for the next time around? Well, and the other part is, is that we got we can't take no for an answer. You can't take no for an answer that Republicans can't be a part of the process. You can't take no for an answer that they're told that they can't show up. And we have to be willing to be advocates at the time that it's happening. 
In other words, you have to scream from the highest building when fraud is actually occurring. And I know that there are things that happen that are not fraud. They just misunderstand the process. I get it, but not a thousand of them. I mean, there's, a, there's over a thousand yeah. people that signed affidavits, right? And I, I use a mathematical yeah, equation that, that basically looks at um, how do I throw out certain parts of it, right? And how do I take, if only 50% is true or 30% is true, is still, is the output variable still gonna show me that there's massive amounts of fraud? And so from, the, from a mathematical perspective, because that's what I like to do, um, that those are the things where you can build process around. So once you can understand where the, where the parts that are broken in the process are, it's easy to say, okay, let's just hem this up. Let's just put a board on this. And by the way, if, this, if X equals zero, then we know we have a problem. We need to audit those three people, make sure they don't ever do it again, right? Because obviously they don't know how to count, right? Simple things, simple things that you can do to eliminate fraud. I also think that IDs are something you could actually have. I mean, voter ID, I don't think, you can't have, nobody in this country, I, th I think that I saw a report that the number of people in this country that do not have IDs, that I could, could, that not have IDs, could fit into one NFL stadium. <laughs> That's probably possible. Yeah. I, I completely believe that. We're, we're almost yeah. out of time. Yeah. Monica, I have, I have one final question for you. And if you're not comfortable answering this, that's fine. There was a woman who was actually arrested. Uh, we, I, I believe we put it up on the screen. Put it up again. A woman was charged because, correct me if I'm wrong, she sent you very threatening communications. The way the media has described it is that they were dismemberment photos. To my knowledge, those photos have never been revealed and probably they're too graphic too. But if you're comfortable... Can't you explain a little bit in more detail than just dismemberment photos of that, of what that person sent you, or even just the terrible things that other people sent you? So there were two photos of two naked dead women who had been beaten up, cut, slashed, and they were spread eagle, looked like they were raped and just left there to die. And then she sent a photo of my daughter and said, I want you to imagine that this is your daughter, Reagan. And then she told me that I was messing with the election and as doing that, I was a terrorist and that I should be afraid for my life, my daughter's life and my husband's life. Let, let the me, commentary let... that came on Facebook, on Instagram, I had to delete. I, you guys, I have a Twitter account. I think I've made 20 tweets in my entire life. I had to delete it off my phone because it wouldn't stop blowing up. Who even knew me on Twitter? I think I had eight followers yeah. before this. It's racist, stain on history, the C word, terrorist, so, so I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this because at some point we have to stop letting the football team, the Democrat football team, be infiltrated with evil. We have to call those people who are evil, evil, right? And, you know, I'm sorry that that happened to your family. Um, I certainly understand it. I've certainly had my share of those. And, and, and I will tell you that Many times, these are the people, obviously they said they're terrorists, to make terroristic threats and to do the things that that person did or people did, right? They are exactly what they say that they're fighting against. They are what they're talking about, right? And we have to stop with the, 
giving people free passes or saying, I forgive you. I think there is something, such things as righteous anger and that we are, we are designed by, I, I don't know if you're a Christian or not. I'm a Christian conservative, but boy, I know how to fight. And it sounds like you've gone to the fight. You're continuing to fight. So I just want to tell you that I am incredibly grateful that you're in that fight, especially in your state, and that people of all color that deserve a voice should, should be given that voice. And, and, uh, and again, I, I think that we have to stop talking about, no, I'm not, and start talking about you're exactly what you're fighting against. That's what these people represent, right? And if we're going to say that all Democrats aren't bad, then the Democrats that aren't bad need to start standing up, stop being complicit and letting the other Democrats run the, run the roost. Because if we don't do that, then I'm sorry. I, I have friends that are Democrat, right? I sit on boards that were left-leaning, right? I've given, I've given more than most people make in a year. I give every year, right? And, and I do that to help impoverished communities on education and other areas. And so I'm a hard target. Right. But if we don't start standing up to these to people and I'd say to my friends all the time, they're Democrats. And I'm like, well, stop supporting it. Become an effective voice in the community to actually stand for fairness. Stop letting them use racism as a whistle. Do I look like racist? Like, no, you're you're but you're different, Joe. I'm not different. I'm actually the majority. I'm the ninety nine point five percent, not the half a percent that they're walking around saying are racist. There are racist. They're black racist, white racist, Asian racist. They exist. Right. So we have to continue to talk truth, though, and I think that's going to be the most difficult thing for people is to be able to, to not have it affect your character and stand up for that truth time and time again. So I just want to give you courage and, 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 um, and say that what you're doing is amazing to help in Michigan, and if we continue to do that, not get tired and not get fatigued, and even when you do, take a breath and get right back at it because it's like arm wrestling. We have to decide that we're going to win that race, and they are going to get tired, and when they do, then we just put them down and we go back to a place where we have maybe some ideological differences, but not the chasm of are we a republic or are we a communist nation? And, and to sum up, Thank if you. anyone's going to take anything away away from this, I hope that it is obviously, Monica, you're a public servant. You mentioned you don't get paid for this. The amount of <clears throat> pressure you got on the right, the amount of yeah, hate you got on the left, the amount, amount of hate you got on the left. Let's all calm down for a second and realize that just because a public official doesn't do what we all think they should do at any given moment doesn't make them a terrorist. It doesn't make them a traitor. It doesn't make them any of that. It, it, I, I appreciate this interview because I had a lot of questions about why things were happening one way or another. And it's very easy to assume the worst or to assume that you, you didn't fight hard enough when in reality you, you were doing the best that you could. And yeah, you, you and trusted people fighting. you shouldn't have trusted. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you trusted people you shouldn't have trusted, but that doesn't make you a traitor and it doesn't make you a racist. It doesn't make you any of those things. So if we can all, both sides of the aisle, just tamp down that rhetoric, um, I think it would be a much better place. Monica, we'll give you the last word as, as we wrap this up. I just want to thank you both for the opportunity to clarify a few of those issues and to let you know that um, maybe this was a, a plan to silence me, to scare me, to get me to pipe down and be quiet. Um, but if that was the case, they picked the wrong girl because I will continue to fight at the legislature if we need to do ballot petitions to make sure that we improve the process. All right. Well, thank you so much, Monica. We really do appreciate having you on the show. And God bless you and your family. Thank you. I'm, I'd be happy to come back if you guys have questions as we okay. move through the rest of this process. Okay. Right, we'll have you back we'll for an we update. We have plenty of questions. Yeah. <laughs> well, th <laughs> thank you so guys. much, Monica. All right.
have a great Easter weekend. Um, that's going to be it for this. <laughs> that's going to be it for this edition of the Conservative Daily Podcast. If you like the podcast, make sure you donate. The donate button is live on our website. We do accept your sweet lemons. So feel free to donate. If you like this kind of content, we're trying to bring out more of this kind of long form interview with really, really influential and important guests. So if you like that content, you want more of it, please do consider donating. Um, consider signing up for the Facts Blast, participating with the Facts Blast to help us do this. Um, well, that's going to be it for this edition of the podcast. A happy good, uh, good Friday to everyone. Lots of people say you shouldn't say Good Friday, a happy Good Friday, but this is happiness. When Jesus died on the cross, he said it is finished. And if you actually look at the Greek translation of it is finished, it means the debt has been paid. So anyone who's ever had their debt paid out of nowhere, you know it's a happy feeling. Yes, this is the day that commemorates Christ dying on the cross, but he did it for all of us. So it is more than okay to rejoice and to celebrate that we have been redeemed through through that sacrifice. So a happy Easter weekend to you, Joe, to everyone in the audience. That's yeah. going to be it for this edition of the podcast. My name is Max McGuire. And my name is Joe Oltman. And remember, everyone, that the fight to take back our country isn't over yet, but the only way we win is if we all stand up and fight together.